All right. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mining Matters, a mine safety podcast presented by Fisher Phillips. My name is Chris Peterson, and with me, as always, is my partner, Arthur Wolfson. Arthur, how are you doing today? Oh, we're doing pretty well, Chris. I think uh, the weather's turning into the fall. We're in the middle of football season. I think the wet, you know, the, the calendar's changing, and you know what it means? It means MSHA starts a new year because their year starts October 1st. So does that mean new things on the horizon? We'll see. We will see. Yeah, it almost feels like with MSHA, they're, they're starting to fire up the engines, right? And I feel like they're going to uh, make up for some lost time here, right? I agree. Um, I, yeah, I talking agree. to some, some local MSHA personnel, uh, who I won't name, um, but yeah, they definitely have suggested that there's going to be some more or higher enforcement levels on the horizon, yeah. you know, probably as Assistant Secretary Williamson settles in. Right. Mm -hmm. sure. So, sure. But today, kind of related to additional enforcement, we're going to be talking about abatement issues. So this was a once popular topic that's fallen by the wayside until, I guess it's fair to say, some recent enforcement activity, right, has suggested we should probably create some awareness about this potentially impactful issue. Arthur, do you want to set the stage for our discussion today? What are we talking about when we say abatement? Sure. Well, and I think I think you set the stage well, Chris. I mean, when you know, we've talked on past episodes that there's a difference in MSHA enforcement between mandatory enforcement and discretionary enforcement. And I think the abatement issue of abatement here actually reflects both, right? Because on the one hand, it is mandatory under Section 104A of the Mine Act that when an inspector writes a citation, that this and this is a quote, the citation shall fix a reasonable time for the abatement of a violation. So that's mandatory. Anytime a citation is issued, the inspector has to consider what, um, what needs to be done for abatement, has to fix a time for abatement, and it is mandatory that the operator abate it. And, you know, we had Kurt Moore on our, our most recent episode talking about OSHA. That's a key difference, right, between MSHA and OSHA. Yeah. Um, OSHA, you, you can contest the citation, and, and you don't have to follow through with abatement. Uh, MSHA, the abatement kicks in whether you contest it or not. So that part is mandatory. But then there's the discretionary part, which is, well, what if there's an issue regarding abatement? What, um, what if there's an issue of, if, if, the, if the inspector alleges a failure to abate? And we're gonna get into that in some more detail because it can lead to some serious consequences. Um, and that part, I think, is discretionary, and it may vary inspector to inspector. Um, a couple of points I just wanted to raise, again, to sort of set the stage on the issue of abatement. I've talked about what the Act says, that an abatement time is required, but there's also a provision under 104A that we refer to as the particularity requirement. And that says that each citation shall describe with particularity the nature of the violation. And why is that in there? Well, one of the reasons it's in there, because this has come up in court cases, is that the inspector must describe with particularity the, the nature of the violation, or alleged violation, I suppose, so that the operator knows exactly what they have to do to abate. It can't be guesswork. And that is incumbent upon the inspector to say, this is what I'm citing, and this is what you have to do to abate. And if you're not clear as an operator on that point, you need to get clarification. 
And then there's one more point I want to say just sort of at the outset, sort of, sort of the basics. And that is that the abatement time set for uh, a particular violation must be reasonable and it must be tailored to the particular violation at issue. Uh, there was a case a number of years ago uh, involving Hibbing Taconite Company. And full disclosure, we, we represent them and we represented them in, in that case as well. Um, but there was a, a, an issue where the inspector uh, issued a, a bunch of citations and said, well, it's my standard practice to require abatement of all violations by 8 a.m. tomorrow. And uh, the, he, when that wasn't accomplished, he issued 104B orders. The commission overruled that, and actually in a 5-0 decision, and, and said it can't just be you know, a blanket policy that all violations have to be abated by 8 a.m. tomorrow. It has to be tailored to the particular facts. So, you know, just something to be aware of, you know, uh, abatement is something you should be able to work with inspectors on. And if you're not able to, then, then that's an issue that frankly can be challenged and it is something that you should not sit still on. So, uh, Chris, I'll turn it over to you, but any, anything else on the basics? And if not, I think we're going to Kind of move on to what happens if there's an issue with abatement and that's that's where the the hammer comes in the, the 104b order no i think you did a great job you know kind of setting the stage right so abatement correcting a cited condition in a nutshell right and what happens if you don't <clears throat> or are unable to uh correct a cited condition within the time frame the quote-unquote reasonable time frame right the inspector the inspector has set well, Section 104B of the Mine Act uh, is a mechanism that MSHA can use um, to encourage operators to abate or correct cited conditions. And 104B basically states that once an inspector has issued a citation, um, and if that particular condition is not corrected within the time period the inspector has set, um, it basically acts as an order of withdrawal, right? So MSHA can come and issue a 104B order withdrawing folks from the affected area, right? So when we're talking about issuing a citation with particularity, right? So describing the area involved. Um, and basically this 104B order operates as an order of withdrawal for those folks in that affected area, other than those required to abate the citation or, the, or the, the cited condition or correct the cited condition, perform the actual work. Um, and that 104B is, I think, in my mind, right, a very powerful mechanism that MSHA, I don't know if they are um, using as frequently as they possibly can. And I think that's probably, to MSHA's credit, right, there is some discretion there in terms of when those 104B orders are issued. And we've seen a couple of factors in play in whether or not MSHA uh, issues a 104B. One, is there a disagreement on the underlying condition itself, right? Is there a, an actual violation that's been cited? So there's some question of the validity of the citation. And, you know, as, as Arthur pointed out, on, in the OSHA realm, you can contest that citation and it, it delays the abatement requirement, right? Well, under MSHA, uh, there is no delay, right? So even if you were contesting that citation, you still have to abate that condition. And then the second thing that we've seen is um, 
some confusion, right? So MSHA has issued a citation, let's say for inadequate guarding. And then the operator is not quite sure, well, what makes this guard inadequate, right? And then the MSHA inspector will say, well, I can tell you that it needs to be abated, but I can't tell you what to mm -hmm. do, right? So yes. they, you know, MSHA is careful in saying, I can't, um, you know, basically direct your workforce, right? So we've seen instances like that where 104B orders are issued. And I guess, you know, the third and perhaps most important factor, even though I said there were only two, um, efforts made to abate or correct the condition timely, right? So we have right. seen MSHA inspectors show up to a site to terminate a citation, right? Check on abatement, make sure the citation has been corrected, that condition has been corrected. And then the operator has done little or to no work, right? Um, correcting the citation. And that uh, triggers an adverse reaction from the mm -hmm. MSHA inspector. And mm -hmm. we find ourselves going down that 104B failure to abate road, right? Right. Um, so yes, a, a 104B order, I think, uh, can be disruptive to an operation, right? You are you know, as an order of withdrawal, right, you were drawing miners uh, from the affected area, impacting production, perhaps, um, you know, and any other regularly scheduled activities that you might have. And if abatement is extensive, right, we have seen um, instances where we've gotten involved in abatement issues up front because, um, you know, MSHA is requiring some kind of abatement that will impact operations, right? Something going forward, um, you know, not even necessarily a cost issue, right? In terms of how much does abatement cost an operator, but it's more of an operational impact saying, okay, well, from here on out, we're gonna have to change basically our processes and procedures, you know, going forward. And um, potentially, Chris, if it's, if the abatement is something that would make activities less safe, We've seen that before too. Yeah, right? absolutely. There's a disagreement yeah. where what MSH is asking for, the operator believes would be less safe for its employees. So, you know, uh, yeah, it doesn't happen often, but that's a pretty big deal when it does happen. Right. That, that's correct. Right. Um, yeah, we've seen that, you know, in terms of guarding scenarios, mm -hmm. um, you know, other processes. And we typically see that, you know, when an MSH inspector may not be, you know, kind of going down back to my first points. When an MSHA inspector may not be familiar with the processes at a mine, they're seeing something, you know, perhaps for the first time or something that they don't completely understand and saying, hey, whoa, 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 you know, stop this, you know, you, you guys should, you know, do something else. Um, you know, even though that, that operation may have been doing that for 20 years or something like that, but then, you know, yeah, that could possibly create, um, you know, a more hazardous working environment just based on some confusion or lack of familiarity with the process. Um, yeah, so, and then once you are issued a 104B, those count as enhanced enforcement or heightened enforcement uh, that are used as part of a pattern of violations calculation. Um, you know, so that, that rolling 12 month evaluation period for patterns. Um, so if you are issued 104B orders, that's something to be aware of, uh, that it goes on your enforcement history and use it for pattern of violations. Um, and then frankly, right, I think that uh, it's a factor for potential impact inspections, mm -hmm. right? So if, um, if MSHA is looking at, you know, 
the quote unquote bad actors right within a district or a certain region and you have a high number of these 104Bs. Yeah, I mean, MSHA could obviously use that as a reason to target your operation for an impact. And an impact inspection is essentially when, you know, a team of inspectors will show up and inspect all parts or various parts of your mind simultaneously, right? kind of a, a one of these blitz type actions. Um, and then issue a press release, you know, afterwards, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Saying, you know, letting everybody know what, what, uh, what MSHA has been doing. So once you've been issued a 104B order, Arthur, does an operator have any options? What can they do? Right. Well, that's an excellent question, Chris, because uh, the, the short answer is yes, you do have options. Um, the problem is if it's something that is critical, uh, such as a, a, a disagreement over abatement, whether it would you know, make matters less safe or it would impact production or something to that effect, um, it's hard to, there isn't an immediate legal option um, that's going to satisfy uh, the issue, you know, that day. So frankly, the first thing you have to do is evaluate what it is that MSHA is requiring and do you need to start working with MSHA to, to resolve it yeah. uh, up front first. But if that fails, there are two, there are two legal options. One, um, as with any order and frankly, any citation, you have the option to file a notice of contest within 30 days uh, of the issuance. And then frankly, if you are shut down or impaired uh, in your daily activities, you can request an expedited hearing. Now, I will say that the term expedited is somewhat relative because you, you have to make the motion and then MSHA gets time to respond to the motion and then the judge has to rule on the motion and that's just to get get the expedited hearing and then you have to actually have the hearing and then if you prevail the judge has to issue the decision so that it's not something that happens immediately but it right. is a tool in the arsenal um but what so you have the 30-day uh, contest um and uh but but alternatively and this is something i don't know that everybody's quite aware of but um you know let's say the 104b has been issued you resolve it but it's still out there on your record and you disagree with it. it when you can test the penalty when you get those penalty assessment forms on the underlying 104a citation um you can test that penalty you check the box and send it back in that serves as a contest of the b order uh, and the reason is because that penalty assessment includes, you know, the 10% good faith abatement. Mm. Well, if you have, in MSHA's eyes, not abated no. uh, in time, you don't get that good faith abatement. So, you know, it may be an, a, an issue of, you know, $40 or something, but that the fact that MSHA's up the assessment by $40 can be challenged as the 104 as the validity of the 104 b order and there's a there's a commission case on that called maple creek coal um, that pretty much states that that contesting the penalty of the underlying 104a citation serves as a contest of the of the b order mm. now what can you contest you know so let's say you file your contest you're, you're ready to make your case go into court um there are a number of issues that you, that you can raise. The one being, well, there, there was no failure to abate. No, we actually did abate it. And I think your guarding example is the perfect one. Guarding is, you know, uh, one of those things that's always in the eye of the beholder, similar with 
you know, ground control. I always say ground control is like holding in football, you know, it's, it's kind of there on every play and it's, a, it's a up to the, you know, whoever's making the call. Right. But, right. but uh, you know, so let's say you did, you did abate it. You did uh, increase the guard. And then MSU comes back and says, no, still not good enough. And you say, well, yes, it was good enough. You can contest that, you know, look, we did abate it. Um, the other, uh, the, another thing you can contest is that the, the original uh, condition that was cited was abated and then it reoccurred. You know, we see this with belt spillage sometimes. You get a, uh, in underground coal, you get a 75400, metal on metal, you get a housekeeping violation, yeah. material spilled on the belt. You went and cleaned it up. And then three days later, what happened? The same belt spilled. MSHA comes back and she said, well, you didn't abate it. You say, yes, I did. It just happened again. Well, if that's the case and you can show that, you can contest that B order. A um, couple other things is, um, what if the underlying 104A citation was, was actually for a different condition than the B order? And I actually just had one like this that we actually got vacated in settlement because I'm just cited uh, dust sampling of one particular area and then came back and resampled a different area and issued a B order on that original citation. And we were able to show, look, these were two different conditions, should not be a B order. That's um, a rare circumstance, but you know, keep that one in mind. And then the next two deal with uh, abatement time, right? You can contest like in the Hibbing-Taconite case I mentioned, whether the initial time was reasonable. And of course that's gonna be reasonable under the circumstances, um, you know, all citations have to be have to be abated by 8 a.m. the next day is not reasonable because it's not tailored to the particular condition. But if it's not reasonable for any other reason, maybe it, you know, unsafe or um, not enough time, um, you can make that case that the inspector was not being reasonable in the amount of time that he or she afforded. And then the last way you can contest a citation, also related to the time, is let's say. You didn't get it corrected in the time allotted, and you think it would have been reasonable to to get more time. Well, first you got to ask for it. You always, if you if you have not abated the condition, you always have to ask for more time. If you don't ask for it, then you know you just up the chances that the inspector is going to issue that order. But if you do ask for it, the inspector then has a choice. He or she can either grant your request and give you additional time, or he or she can say, no, I'm issuing the B order. Well, if they issue the B order, you can contest saying that was an unreasonable decision, that the um, time for abatement should have been extended. Mm -hmm. And there is, there is some case law on that and in, in evaluating whether the inspector was reasonable, uh, they are supposed to consider the three factors, the degree of danger that the extension would have caused. Uh, number two, the diligence of the operator in attempting to meet the original time set. And then the third factor that I'm not entirely clear what it means, but this is what the court said, the disruptive effect an extension of time or failure to extend time would have had on operating shifts. Um, I'm not entirely sure what is meant by that. I usually just go with the first two, which is whether there was a degree of danger in extending the time and what was the diligence of the operator. And that yeah. comes from an old, a case back from 1986, Yakagani and Ohio Coal Company. It's an ALJ decision, but uh, it has been cited uh, since 1986. So it's still good law. 
Um, but, but these are all factors that can go into a contest. So if you're faced with a B order, you should consider them in deciding whether or not to contest. So Chris, let's, I'm gonna kick it back to you and we can, we can, we can uh, bat this around for our remaining time. But you know, we've sort of laid the groundwork legally and factually on, on what a B order is and what abatement is. Um, what, um, what are some um, uh, takeaways that for best practices that operators should consider uh, in dealing with this issue? Yeah, so I, I think there are definitely some, some factors to keep in mind for operators in avoiding 104B issues. Uh, and again, you know, I'll preface this discussion with, you know, the fact that the Mine Act strict liability, if you're cited for something, you have to abate it, right? You have to abate that particular condition. Um, because, you know, a lot of questions I get surround the fact, well, what if, what if we don't think it's a violation or what if it's not a violation to begin with, right? And so, yeah, I mean, there's a mechanism there. You can contest that citation and then possibly get it vacated. However, right, as, as Arthur has mentioned a couple of different times now, uh, you still have to correct that condition, right? So again, so operating with that understanding, uh, you absolutely have to manage your abatement issues and abatement expectations and times. So for example, if an inspector is citing you for, you know, as Arthur mentioned, you know, 75, 400 accumulations at an underground coal mine um, or a housekeeping issue, at a metal on metal mine, right? Um, you know, typically, well, maybe not typically, but most of the time, it's probably fair to say, those might be discrete issues that could be taken care of maybe right there, right at that time. So if an inspector sets an abatement time for 8 a.m. the next morning, and you know you have a night shift coming on, for example, and you know, that's maybe that's a downshift, maintenance crew will be able to do some maintenance, some cleanup you know that 8 a.m. time is probably reasonable, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so obviously at the time of the inspection, you're paying attention to when that inspector is setting that time. Um, and so you're thinking to yourself, okay, yeah, that's a reasonable amount of time. We can get that done. Now, if that is an entire belt line and the MSHA inspector says, uh, and, and when I say an entire belt line, I guess I'm envisioning a scenario where that might be a mile or two of belt, right? Um, they're saying, okay, you're going to clean up these, these areas, or you're going to um, change these rollers, or add a new splice to the belt, whatever it might be, right? But that is a project that's going to take some more time, some additional time. And so if the inspector sets the abatement time for noon the next day, uh, you know, you should obviously be aware of that and have that discussion at that time with the inspector saying, okay, this abatement is going to entail XYZ, and we're going to need some more time you know, give us a day or two, whatever it might be. Um, obviously, you know, something to be aware of. And then if you're cited on a piece of equipment, for example, and you may not know this at the time, right? But they're saying, okay, you know, you've got an oil accumulation. Sure enough, it turns out to be, you know, a leaking gasket. Well, then maybe we don't have any gaskets. We have to order those parts, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, so what do you do? Well, as Arthur suggested, communicate with MSHA, right? I think communication right. is key, where if you find out typically, right, maybe that would be whatever, a 15 minute repair, okay? And so an abatement time has been set for that next day. You're thinking at the time of the inspection that is reasonable, 
Um, but then you find out you have to order that part. Well, let him should know, right? You can call, right. maybe the inspector's already on site. Maybe you call the local field office and say, hey, citation, you know, whatever number, we're ordering this part. We're gonna need a little bit more time to obey. Mm -hmm. I have yet to see where there's this back and forth communication, obviously, you know, exclusive of other factors at play. But if you have this back and forth communication, I have yet to see MSHA issue a 104B. I agree, Chris. I think it's, I, I think that if you can show MSHA that you are working on it, maybe you're not going to meet the time or you're going to need more time or, or, or you don't think the original time was reasonable. Mm -hmm. But if you can take to them, this is what we've done. This is what we still need to do. Yeah. I agree with you. I've seen some situations that could have turned nasty, could have turned confrontational. But once that information is put in front of AMSHA, by and large, they're willing to work with you. Now, you know, again, it's within their discretion. If they choose not to work with you, you do have that contest option right. on the unreasonableness of the decision. But yeah. I do agree that, um, you know, getting those facts in front of them yeah. usually does the trick. No, I agree. Right. So, I mean, I think I think in terms of identifying specific best practices, one at the time of the inspection, right, be aware of what the abatement time is. Right. And mm -hmm. is that reasonable or not, depending on the circumstances? And then two, you know, as we've described here, communication, right, when it's not right, when that time frame is not either at the time of the inspection or if you find out later, yeah, we're going to have to order these parts. You know, mm -hmm. don't be afraid to reach out. Now, again, when, when, you know, when the waters get murky is when the operator's thinking there's no violation here. Right. Um, then we see operators kind of dragging their feet, uh, creating abatement issues there. Right. Um, and again, you know, sort of arguing no violation is a different issue, does not alleviate the operator from obviously correcting a sighting condition. Mm -hmm. so. But even so, right, I mean, we've been involved you know, as Arthur has suggested, we've been involved in cases where, um, you know, abatement has been uh, required that doesn't necessarily match up with the underlying citation, right? So that's that's definitely sort of a different issue, but certainly goes back to the communication piece, um, you know, and, and talking to, uh, you know, MSHA directly, the field office, maybe even up at the district level, getting a solicitor involved. Um, so I think there's definitely a process there. Yeah. Can you think of any yeah. other best practices, Arthur, in terms of what do we have? We've got setting the time, right? Knowing mm -hmm. what your time frame to begin with and then communicating with them. Should any other best practices you can think you, of? You know, Chris, and we, we've said this before, and I know that operators do their do their very best to do this, but it, you know, it, it bears repeating because we, we always learn and we can all, all of us get better, uh, ourselves included. Um, but you know, one of the things is making sure your safety representatives or whoever might be accompanying MSHA um, is aware of this stuff, is aware yeah. of the knowledge, is aware of the facts. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's just so that when these issues come up, they know right where to go. There's not guesswork. You're not waiting on, uh, you know, the safety manager coming tomorrow or something to deal with it, that that person's able to deal with it. So yeah, Arthur, I think that's a great point, you know, just um, creating some level of awareness of abatement issues, right? So often, uh, and I've been guilty of this myself, right, of, of treating abatement as just automatic 
where, you know, best practices, even on my end, right, when I'm looking at a citation or some sort of enforcement action that's been contested, one of the things that's on my checklist to look at is, does the abatement match up with the cited condition, right? So I think your point's a good one, right? Whether or not it's the safety manager or, you know, whoever's on shift responsible for health and safety or accompanying that inspector, right? I think those are important issues uh, to be aware of. Right. And, you know, the other thing is, I would say to anyone that is uh, accompanying MSHA and dealing with these issues, and maybe it's not something you've dealt with before, but feel free to reach out for help. You know, whether it's, you know, depending on your operation, if you're somebody that, that isn't familiar with these types of issues and, and you've, you've heard about them through a training, but you've never faced, been faced with them before and you're not sure what to do, call your safety manager. Or if you're a, uh, an operation that really doesn't deal with these issues very much, please call us. You know, I, I deal with 104B issues. You know, as they're as they're happening in yeah. real time, you know, I will get a call from you know a safety manager at a site. Hey, where I think we're getting a 104B order, but we don't agree with it. This, 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 and and how you handle that at the at the at the outset, you know, early on, depending on the issue, may very well dictate. How that issue is ultimately resolved. So don't don't let the abatement piece come back to bite you because it's really in most cases it's an issue that can be managed through, but you you need to jump on it right away and um, and do the best you can. And then if it's really something you know that's out there, um, then 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 we can talk about whether it requires a you know. A, a contest or something of that nature. But most of the time it can be handled on the front end early on if the issue is addressed. Yeah, yeah. Early awareness is key, I think. Yeah. Yep. Well, right. I, th I think that uh, brings us to the conclusion of our talk on abatement. Again, you know, it's something we wanna raise awareness on. We are seeing more issues come up on abatement. Um, we're going to track the issues that we do see and we'll bring you timely topics um, um, as we see them. But again, if there's anything you'd like us to address, please let us know. So I uh, wish everybody a good day and a happy beginning of fall. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Stay safe, everyone. Take care, everybody. This podcast provides an overview of a specific developing situation. It is not intended to be and should not be construed as legal advice for any particular fact situation.